0: Alright, Restoration Church, it's been a while and I've missed some of you. I know that's a bad joke, but uh, I can only miss some of you because I only know some of you. There are some new people there, so I want to uh, want to introduce myself. My name is Gabe Hernandez and I'm a bit of a big deal. Oh man, I just saw our online uh, viewing drop by 30%. Again, another bad joke. But yeah, I'm Gabe Hernandez and I am a community pastor <clears throat> with Altitude Church which is just down the street from the Arvada Center so essentially we're neighbors um, but more than that I am I'm a friend and I am a believer in the work that Restoration Church is doing. I um, have privilege and honor of serving with you guys for a while and and staying in partnership and in fellowship with everybody there so um, I'm excited that i um, been able to uh, to speak this morning it's an honor to be trusted to share my heart this morning and i pray that uh, what god has put on my heart falls upon you in a way that moves you to action Um, if you've ever heard me speak before um, i really just want to talk about who god is and, and what he can do and how we move after that so again i i pray that it falls upon you in a way that moves you to action whether it is repentance or service I want to jump right into what's going on. There may be a link put down on the bottom with a clip, but you know, due to copyright infringement and all that fun stuff, uh, we'll just let you guys seek it out. The clip is from Superman versus Batman. And the other day, um, I got this wild hair. I wanted, I wanted to watch a movie, and so me and my wife are hanging out, and, and it's a little COVID date. We have dinner, and we decide to make some popcorn. All of a sudden, we decide to throw on a movie, and of course. Um, you know, when we start thinking about that, it's like, oh, I want to watch this and I want to watch that. And basically what happened was like, I want to put on something Marvel, something action, something, you know, you could just watch over and over again. And so we got talking about different titles. And I was like, nah, I don't want to watch that. Or, um, you know, maybe I'll, you know, maybe we'll watch this. And I was like, nah, babe, you know, the one I want to watch. I want to watch the one where like Batman's looking at Superman and it's that one just insane moment man where he looks at him in the face and he says do you bleed so it was kind of funny man I mean that's my favorite part man that you know that Batman is so gangster that he's looking up at Superman a, a, an alien a being that cannot die that cannot be beaten and he just looks at him and says do you bleed so anyways, we get to put that movie on, and we're hanging out, and before you know it, you know, I'm I'm waiting for this moment to come. It's the only reason I'm watching the movie. It's so I can watch this gangster part where, you know, Batman just bangs on Superman. And in the moment of watching it and just waiting for this part and kind of messing with my phone and stuff, there's this instance where they're talking about how um, Superman may not belong there, and that's what this clip's talking about. And Superman is he's doing what he does. He's saving people. He's landing amongst the people. He's got this young girl in his hands and, and he hands her off to, to her family and everyone is reaching out to touch him. And then there's this commentary and the commentary really hit me. A gentleman says this, he says, we as a population on this planet have been looking for a savior that 90% of of the people in this world believe in some higher power and every religion believes in some kind of messianic or some kind of savior figure. But when the savior character actually comes to earth, we wanna make him abide by our rules. And I just thought that's exactly how I wanna lead into my sermon this weekend. now, just to remind you, it, it is just a movie quote. It's not a statistic, uh, but I do like the sentiment, and I think it's a great conversation starter. My wife wanted me to throw that in, that these are not actual statistics put out there. Um, but I want to just attempt to explain for a moment how I plan to tie this all in. And um, so this is how I want to attempt to tie it all in. This is, this is how I want to try to bring this together, is that uh, I want to make a statement. There is a need for a savior today more than yesterday. Let me say that again, and I'm gonna repeat myself a couple of times on some things because I wanna really drive it home. There is a need for a savior today more than yesterday, but see, what I didn't realize is while watching this, while it resonated with what's been going on in my life, it is basically because it's it's what i'm seeing over and over and over again when when i go outside when i watch the you know the world engage with the world when i have one on one conversations or group conversations with people it seems to come down to this whole idea that everybody is dealing with and struggling with something and they're using something or other to be saved and like i said the conversations i've been having with people the actions of others i see out in public and private these, you know, these fits of, of rage and anger and, and multiple or mass suicides going on and deaths for various reasons and the pain of not knowing and, the, and just the day-to-day of living and seeing the rise of addictions and separations, all this stuff's going on and in my head I start to ask myself, what is it that others are using to save themselves? What is it that others are using to save themselves, but even more so, what am, what am I using to save me? And that's what I want to ask today. Those are the questions I want to bring to the table this morning, and I hope it'll flow throughout my sermon. Like I said, I got a, I got a lot of passions. I got a lot of things tied up right now, so just bear with me as I begin to unload these things and try to unpack them with what God is doing in my heart and in my life. Um, I want you to write these things down if you have a chance or an opportunity, and I want you to look back on them as we move forward through this time we have together, but maybe even more so as you reflect throughout the week and um, maybe the months to come. What do we use other than Jesus in an attempt to save ourselves, and how long do we expect that to work? Again, like I said, I'm going to repeat myself. What do we use? What do I use? What do you use? What do we see other people using in an attempt, in an attempt to save themselves that's other than Jesus? And how long do we actually expect that to work? How long do these people actually expect it to work? You know, um, I'm asking the same questions to myself before I ever bring anything to the table, before I ask anybody anything. I start to ask myself, what am, what am I trying to manipulate to be saved from? You know, I'm a man of faith, I, I, I love God, I want to spend the rest of my life serving others, and my my heart is broken because I fall away as many do, and like I said, I find myself in this moment asking, um, asking me the very same questions that I'm asking you right now. You know, I think about what is slowing down my life, I, I think about the expectations I place on God, and especially in this season right now with what I'm dealing with, I know that I have struggled with anxiety and depression more than I've ever struggled with it in my life, that I have this this anger and this un, uncertainty, or I'm unsure, I've, I've been walking around with this lack of purpose, and, and I'm frustrated all the time. And I, I'm in this mode where I'm just wanting to see something happen quickly, and, and it's as if God is not moving fast enough for me. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. And, um, no, but you know what, I think as I look out in the conversations I have with people, I think people can relate to that. And and in the face of all, of all of that, everything that's going on, everything that's on me, everything that's on everybody else, is that I have struggled with God. And I know it sounds like I'm saying I'm not happy at all. I mean, yeah, there are moments of, of you know, pure joy and and opportunities to serve and, and to be filled. But it just seems that these things are ever looming on my heart and mind. So I had to start asking myself a really hard question that if I am using things other than Jesus to save me, and I believe that Jesus has saved me, then why would I rely on anything else? Why would I rely on anything else? If I've been saved and taken care of and, and, and God has God has wrapped his arms around me and He loves me and He's and He's given me the gift of the Holy Spirit, why would I rely or why would I substitute anything for for God's love again it's something just to think about you see I'm not talking about being saved from the day-to-day experiences you know COVID may or may not miss my family it may not miss my household you know I may get cancer I may lose my job my house may catch fire my dog may die and you know I'm sorry for the depressing country song but you know God never says we're gonna be exempt from the day-to-day that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when, when I'm using something else in the place of God. You know, what I'm talking about is using something or someone else to bring peace of mind in a situation. What I'm talking about is using something or, or someone else to aid in the escape of a situation or to substitute for God's love um, or a way of feeling whole again, if even for a moment, but without God think about that for a little bit. There are so many people in this world, in this in this country, in this city, and in our immediate area that do not know the love of God and are substituting whatever they can find to save them. Let me, let me say that again. There are so many people in this world, country, city, and our immediate area that do not know the love of God and they're substituting whatever they can find to save them. But here's what's sadder here's what hits a little closer to home than that is that there's many people in the church that are doing the same thing. And I'm one of them. You know, it's easy to stare out and see the fallen world, but it's not that easy to look at those that are in the church that are hurting and substituting. You know, I sat with an atheist the other day, and I know that sounds like a title to a cheesy evangelism book from the seventies. Right. But I seriously, I sat with an atheist friend of mine and I take my sermons and I share them with people who do not share the same belief base as me, that don't uh, follow the same views as me sometimes. And some of my dearest friends are atheists and pantheists and drifters and wanderers from one faith to another or people that have been hurt and, and let down, uh, people that have had Christ misrepresented to them. Uh, Basically the unchurched to the de-church and you're gonna hear me say that over and over and over again That these are the people that I hang with man because these are the people that fuel me These are the people where I feel it is the most genuine conversations Um, And you know what I ask them permission every single time to share with them um, As I prepare to speak and I'm asking for permission today for you to open up your mind and your hearts to what I'm gonna continue to share and so basically, here's the question that I asked him when we were sitting down is, and I removed Jesus from, from, from the question because this, you know, my friend is an atheist. And there's no point in putting that in and starting a whole conversation on anything else. So I asked him this question I said, how long can others keep saving themselves? And it was awesome for him to kind of look off and think. And his response, in a sense, I'm going to condense it just for time but his, his response was when I asked, excuse me, let me go back, how can others, how long can others keep saving themselves? And he said, they can't, it's unsustainable. The things that people are using right now to save themselves from circumstances, situations, feelings, emotions, whatever's going on, whatever they're using, it's an unsustainable model. And And this is a quote, from an atheist friend of mine, maybe you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna stop calling him I'm just an atheist. I'm gonna say he's my friend, and as we continue to talk, I shared what's been on my heart, and I shared, man, you know what? I woke up the other morning in a panic because I was like, man, I really don't know what to talk about, and here's what's on my heart, but I'm not sure it's really jiving. I don't know how to put it into words, and so I'm just talking it out with him. And I said, hey, I woke up, I woke up one morning, and immediately Jonathan Edwards popped to my mind. Now, if you don't know who that is, I'm going to explain in a minute. But it's a little weird to wake up in the morning and have a guy from, from the you know 18th century, um, or sorry, the 1700s, to have him from the 1700s. On my mind, I was like, man, what's wrong with me? But uh, he's a man that preached a sermon. And the sermon was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, just in case you're unfamiliar with it. It's pretty popular. And I talked with my friend on how there was a great awakening that took place after the sermon was preached. And there was a man of small stature and, and he was very monologue and, and um, a sermon that he gave shook the new world to its foundations. And it's amazing, this man has said in a, in a commentary that for 20 years he wrote his sermons out verbatim, everything he was gonna say word for word. So when he got up to preach, he laid his papers down and he didn't look up until he was done And so one of the scholars said this, he said, he never finished this sermon. The only reason he ever looked up from his notes was because the shrieks and the wails from the crowd were too loud. On July 8th, 1741, Jonathan Edwards started a sermon that he would never finish. He spoke of an angry God. He spoke of a God who had been holding back a bow for too long and the arrow of wrath was longing to be released. He he spoke of the wicked being condemned to hell at this and that very moment. And he never got to the end of his sermon where he was going to talk about the covenant of grace, Jesus's covenant of grace that saves us. And here we are almost. 279 years to the day we sit here and as Mr. Edwards preached at a time when Christ was needed he's needed even more today. You know, again thinking about all this stuff, uh, you know, just the great awakening and 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 a fear-based sermon versus a love-based sermon and 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 the whole idea of, of what we need right now in in society in this world and what's going on. I said what if what if the next great awakening of the people is now. What if we have a chance right now, and I, I hate the word opportunity, I hate opportunists, but <clears throat> what, if, what if the next great awakening of the people is now in the midst of multiple pandemics um, in a time of uncertainty and fear and angst and depression and lack and selfishness and self-righteousness. We're seeing it all over the news and social media. It just can't be contained how some people are behaving. But what if the message was not repent or die sinner? What if the message was this? What if the message was rooted in love? What if the next great awakening was sparked by the way that we love other, a, a love that doesn't make any sense, a love that was commanded right as Jesus left? What if our message was Matthew eleven, twenty eight through 30? Come to me, all you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will need rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What if our message, our, our message of love was John fourteen six, and Jesus answered in this way, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What if our message of love was rooted in a very overly used and abused uh, verse in Scripture, John 3, 16 and 17? What if, what if our message was rooted in that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but, he have, but have eternal life? For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn but to save the world through him. What if the world woke up today because of love? What if you woke up today because of love? Because of his undying, relentlessly pursuing, unwavering, undeserved love. What if the world woke up today? But even more impactful was, what if the church woke up today? You know, I'm going to go on a tangent for a minute. When did we get so lazy, so apathetic, so consumer oriented that we began to expect churches to be 45, to 60 minutes long church service, you know? When when did we say that, oh yeah, by the way, keep it down to under an hour or at an hour, but I want you to throw in two songs in the front, maybe two or three in the back end, but don't get too carried away because I have have things to do later. What did it turn into? Hey, don't forget to grab my offering. And by the way, can you help me swing, uh, can you help me squeeze in a little bit of fellowship and community? You know, the thing that we were created for, By providing refreshments. And by the way, don't get donuts from over there. But also, don't mind me as I sneak out. And, oh, you know what? You can say ouch or amen or you can turn me off. But that is the majority of what American or westernized church looks like. And I'll stand by that. When when did church become nothing more than something that we do once a week? When did it become something that we squeezed into our weekend and and why isn't it something that we do all week? And then on Sunday, it would actually be a Sabbath. It would actually be a time of being refreshed or being rebuilt or being reaffirmed or even better than that. As Ryan always says, what if Sunday was a staff meeting? What What if it was a time to get together and get informed to go back out and do the work the rest of the week? I don't know. Oof, I don't know if I'm going to say this or not. <laughs> um, maybe we need to stop going to church and start being the church. And then maybe that message of love will prevail. Sorry, again, tangent, two-minute warning, all that fun stuff, right? But, you know, I go on the rants for a reason. And one of, the, one of the main things I want to put out today is that, is that the love of God is not confined or controlled by a location. The love of God is not confined or controlled by a location because God can do greater than that. God can move in other ways and other places. And I'm so glad that God found me in a place other than the stained glass windows and the walls of the church. So I know that God is not combined, confined or controlled by a location. The other thing is that we have a duty to take out the very message that we believe and the, and the very saving grace that has been given to us. We have a duty to take that out to the ends of the earth and I think that. We are failing as a whole to do that. You know, I have a few more questions for you, and I'm sorry I have more questions than answers today. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be exegeting scripture or expounding on one idea. You know, I don't have three points, but what I want you to think of today is, is, is kind of the fundamental part of this, is what can you let go of today that will free you up to have more Jesus in your life? What can I let go of today that's going to free me up to have more, more Christ in me so that I could be Christ to more people? And, you know, when, when, when we do that, we can go out and, and share. We can start with that. We can move forward with that. You know, there are people in your life that I'm never going to be able to get close to. And likewise, on my end, there are people out there that are hurting, that are searching, that are looking, that are substituting. And, and the point is, is that they're running out of saviors because they don't work. And what's going to happen is they're either going to use that Savior on and on and on until it leads to death, or they're going to substitute it for something else that's not good enough. And we need to be the ones who stand up and say, Man, I have the real fix. I have the real way to get you through this. I have a real way to be saved. You know, I started thinking about Mark chapter 5, verses 22 through 32. And again, I'm not going to go on and on, but there's a woman that has been suffering for 12 years with an issue of hemorrhaging, and she was desperate. And she had heard the good news and she took a chance and then she was healed and again I'm gonna come with more questions who is desperate who is reaching out to be saved but not grasping the right Savior who may or may not have heard that they're loved that second Peter 1 4 tells us that because of his great and precious promises we can escape the corruption of this world what if they have no idea that they can escape What about those who who all of their chances have been given out? There's nothing left to try because they've, they've all failed and one more chance is just one more opportunity to be let down. Who needs to be healed? Who needs healing? Who needs healing to come? That small S savior isn't working anymore and that's something that needs to change. And the last one is who needs to be awakened by the love of God? And now here's the hard part is whether this is you Or someone you know who needs to hear that they can be saved so I want to leave you with this Um, it's a dialogue between father and son it's basically God and Jesus and it's called the father's bargain with the son it's by John Flavel it's one of my favorite things to use I think it really kind of sums up a conversation of salvation and so the father says this, he says, My son, here is a company of poor and miserable souls that have totally undone themselves and now lie open to my justice. Justice demands satisfaction for them or will satisfy itself in the eternal ruin of them. What shall be done of these souls? The son says, Oh, my father, such is my love to and pity for them. Rather than they shall perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their surety. Bring in all thy bills, that I might see what they owe thee. Lord, bring them all in, that there may be no after-reckonings with them. At my hand shalt thou require it. I will rather choose to suffer thy wrath, than they should suffer upon it. Upon me, my Father, upon me be all their debt. Father says, But my son, if thou undertake for them, thou must reckon to pay the last mite. Expect no abatements. For if I spare them, I will not spare thee. Son, content, Father, let it be so. Charge it all upon me. I am able to discharge it. And though it prove a kind of undoing to me, though it impoverish all my riches, empty all my treasures, I am yet content to undertake it. You know, I think about that. And and to, to sum it up, I know I read it fast. To sum it up is this idea of God saying, man, There is a debt that is owed by humanity and they can't pay and Jesus said I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna pay it. I'm gonna take care of it But if you bring it in you got to bring everything don't let any don't leave anything behind I want it all to be taken taken care of I want to make sure that they're saved and the sacrifice was made this price was immeasurably paid so that all may be saved I Want to end with this reminder is that there is no need to substitute There is no need to look Any further we have a savior and let's share that good news let's be confident in this that he will neither leave us or forsake us and he is more than what anyone can ever imagine or deserve let's pray father I thank you for this morning I thank you for the opportunity to hopefully get off my chest in an effective way what it is that you're doing in my life and um, how you're calling me to engage those around me god i've seen so much suffering at the hands of a false savior god i've seen so much pain and so much hurt and so much wasted time as others and myself rely on something else for salvation or as a way to get through from day to day god i would just ask right now if any of those that are within the sound of my voice or, or are seeing this or hearing this god that they would know that there is a savior still, God, and this, um, he wants to be expressed through an undying love. Um, he wants to be known as, as, a, as a lover. Um, he wants to be known as one that embraces and one that carries us from victory to victory. And Father, I would pray for those that are within the sound of my voice now that are that are substituting God, that are, are, are settling for the small S savior. God and it's just it's an ongoing process where it's 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 one day at a time, constantly relying on this this thing or this person or this way of life. God and I would I would just ask that you step in, God and and you move and you use one of us, God, use one of your people to go forward and, and to share that love and to share the escape from that kind of corruption of the world. Father, we we'll just pray that we would get into the get into the mindset of the church is not what we're doing right now in this moment. It's what we do every day. God, it's 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 congregating. God, it's fellowshipping. It's empowering. It's equipping. God, it's it's even rebuking. God, it's correcting. It's all these things that we just wait till Sunday to try to cram into our week and then just live any way that we want to. Father, we we'll just pray for an awakening in the hearts of the. Of those that profess to love you, God, I would pray for an awakening in this world. God, we need love and we need love in a in a very radical but yet tangible way. So Father, bring that love. In Jesus' name. Amen.